0: You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Bronco's Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Welcome in everybody to the Huddle Up! Podcast presented as always by Mile High Huddle. Powered by Overtime Media, I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me, as always, is my partner in crime, even when it is 1.30 in the morning. <laughs> for him, he is Zach Kelberman, of course, the lead NFL writer for Heavy.com. Zach, you're hanging in there. I know it's late. Both of us staying up for uh, for our listeners' benefit, so they have a fresh pod
1: Friday. How you doing, brother? I'm good. I am hanging in there. I had a late cup of coffee tonight, so if I talk fast than usual, Chad, that's probably why, but uh it's it, this is one of those times where i feel fortunate that i get paid to cover football right about football watch football because that game was brutal Chad. it was yeah. pretty bad i yeah. mean to watch from a football fan's point of view right it, logistics point of view, it it wasn't clean at all it was very sloppy it was drawn out it ended a half hour at least past the time that i thought it would end so it was just not the cleanest brand of football and i hate to say it but the broncos died with the death by inches tonight
0: Yep, yep, they did not come out on top falling to the Seattle Seahawks on the road, 22-14. They had a chance late in the fourth quarter to come back and try and tie it, but unfortunately a Drew Lock interception which we'll we'll talk more about Lock here in just a minute. Ended Denver's comeback hope So we're gonna to get to it. This is a gut reaction. It's late for both of us. I mean, I'm Mountain Time, like a lot of you, and so for me, it's a, it's 11:30. I say only 11:30, but that's still late for for me, dude. I'm almost 40. I don't stay up till 11:30 anymore, unless I have to. <laughs> for Zach, it's even way later. So we're gonna keep this one pithy to the point. Simply a gut reaction for you guys, and then when we circle back for Saturday's episode which is, of course, the mailbag. Uh, we'll uh, let our hair down and, and uh, talk more in-depth about the nuance of the game. But first, really quickly, guys, if you're new to the podcast, make sure you're following the show on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod, because that's how you stay on top of what's happening with the show in real time. If you're on iTunes and you're new to the show, leave us a creative review and a five-star rating if you like what you hear. And shout-out to the YouTube listeners. We uh, we did our first Live video on YouTube at the Mile High Huddle channel. And, uh, you know, had we ironed out some kinks, but it went well. So, so props to all you guys. Of course, if you like what you hear there, share it out. That's the best thing you can do. Fantasy football fans, listen up. Do you want to join the biggest NFL season-long tournament ever? Of course you do. If you love fantasy football, we know you do, then you need to enter the $3.5 million Best Ball Championship on draft. That's right, $3.5 million dollars in real money it's freaking huge now it's season long here's how draft works it's season long but with no micromanagement. you just set it and forget it so what does that mean no longer are you having to agonize over the matchups and who to start and all that they take care of that for you they're automatically going to start your most efficient lineup based on all the projections based on all the momentum so you don't have to worry about it you set it you forget it once you're done drafting that's it No trades, no waiver wire. You don't even have to set your lineup, as mentioned. Your best players automatically get started, and you'll get the best score each and every week, guaranteed. For a limited time only, you can get a free entry into the best ball championship when you make your first deposit. But you have to use our promo code HUDDLE. That's right, a free shot at a million dollars just by using our promo code HUDDLE when you make your first deposit on Draft. Just search Draft in the app store or go to Draft.com and come play free with promo code HUDDLE. All right, Zach, let's uh, just start from the top really quick, work our way through this. We'll get to Drew Locke. I know that's uh, on on everybody's mind, but we got to see the debut of Joe Flacco. And even though we've been covering this guy as a Bronco now for the last several months, for me it was sort of uh, surreal to see him out there quarterbacking the Denver Broncos in orange and blue, but I think for the most part, even though that drive stalled late and they had to punch in a field goal, you know they went 12 plays, 78 yards, and uh, I think kind of got into
1: a flow. It made me feel a lot better about Joe Flacco to start. Yeah, even though they didn't punch it into the end zone, Chad, they looked pretty composed. Flacco looked pretty good in the pocket. He had a good command of the offense. Uh, he knew where to go with the ball. He bought some time. Overall, it wasn't an A, but it certainly wasn't an F for the Broncos' first string offense. I would give them a solid B. I mean, they got a field goal. Flacco went 3 or 4, 19 yards, 84 passer rating. It wasn't terrible. It was a decent showing, and what he wanted to do was just get his feet wet, and I think he definitely accomplished that. Even without his starting you know, receiver in Sanders, even without Ron Leary, this offense still has a ways to go, but the first stringers, they definitely weren't the worst part of this game.
0: Yeah. The one thing I liked about Locke, and I wrote about this immediately following the game, or excuse me, about Flacco, is that, you know, up to that point, obviously one preseason uh, game under their belts, we'd only seen, you know, everyone but Flacco. All the quarterbacks in the orange and blue we'd seen up to this point. You know, he looked way more composed. He looked way more on top of it and in command. You could see him literally go through his progressions, and there was that one play in which he went through all his progressions and then knowing where the outlet was as the pressure was closing in, dumped it off to Lindsey on the – on the left outlet there. So that was good to see, you know, it's not, we're not going to see the second coming of Peyton Manning, star Wars numbers in Denver, but Joe Flacco is a competent collected uh, quarterback veteran that I think can be a stabilizing force for this offense and help get them, you know, going in the right direction in 2019.
1: Yeah, and it all comes down to the running game, Chad. And, and Philip Lindsay showed tonight that he's still that spark plug. He made a 10-yard a gain out of absolutely nowhere. He, he's just the the centerpiece through which the offense flows. And as long as they lean on him and Royce Freeman had a big run, he looked good. If they can just lean on that ground game, and like we've been saying, Chad, use Flacco as that complement, that complementary piece, and, and take the top off the defense with his, with his weapons, they can be a pretty good offense. And they showed the breadcrumbs tonight. They still have a ways to go, uh, but it's definitely trending in the right direction. direction.
0: a couple other quick observations from that first team offense I just want to throw at you real quick Zach was that great seal block at the point of attack in which Dalton Reisner took down that defensive tackle to spring Royce Freeman on that 50-yard gain that jumped out to me and then just the wiggle and and intensity and pop in which Philip Lindsay played I mean he touched the ball five times in that one possession and so I like to. He he only picked up I think off the top of my head 19 yards from scrimmage on those five carries, so it wasn't the you know epitome of efficient in terms of the end result. However, man, just seeing him on the field, he's so much faster than everyone else. He's so much twitchier. He's so much more elusive. I really think he's he's going to be on deck. I know it's it's early and it's just one you know viewing of Philip Lindsay in 2019, but man, I think he's going to have a big year too.
1: Yeah, it's really a good point, too, about uh, Reisner. I thought the Broncos' first-string line did a pretty good job overall. They kept Flacco mostly clean, and, and they didn't harass him too much, the Seahawks. But they really succeeded in the running game, Chad. Reisner had a good block, and who also impressed me was uh, Don Barclay. He had a big uh, seal block to spring one of the runs. I can't remember which one it was right now. Uh, he did look good in run protection there. So. I think he solidified himself for sure as the direct backup behind Reisner and Leary, and they have Wilkinson as the tackle behind Bowles and Juwan James. So Barkley and Reisner stood out to me. The first string line overall, Chad, looked pretty good.
0: Yeah. Did anything jump out to you on the first viewing on the first team defense? I mean, mostly it was... Von Miller and company kind of chasing around Geno Smith, who, of course, got the start with Russell Wilson not suiting up. This is Seattle's first preseason game, I remind everybody. So that is tradition typically. But did anything jump out to you from that first team uh, defense? Here's one thing I'll throw at you. And this was actually something that I concur. It was it was mentioned on the Mile High Huddle open, open uh, thread for the game by Nick Kendall, who you all know and love. But just how unathletic these linebackers, these off-ball linebackers, look for the Broncos. And that continued to play out through the game, not just with A.J., well, Alexander Johnson, Keyshawn Bieria who started the game, but everyone who followed off the ball.
1: What jumped out to me on defense, we didn't see too much of them, Chad. Uh, Von Miller made a nice play down the field on that big game they had. Uh, Chris Harris Jr. looked really good. Shelby Harris, they combined for that tackle. They looked pretty good. We didn't see too much of them. Uh, They were kind of gassed on a couple plays, but I think overall we don't have to worry too much. Uh, Among the more notable players, uh, Isaac Adam, I think, had a good game. He had a, a nice uh, play in, in pass coverage. Also with uh, Bosby, he took the place and he got some, some some significant snaps tonight. Now, this secondary was pretty good. Uh, the defense overall, I mean, the second and third stringers, they were very susceptible, but the first string, we didn't see too much, but we also don't have to worry about them. They also weren't facing Russell Wilson, so it wasn't a very fair matchup. Two quick
0: observations from Yadam and Bosby. Now, the first was Yadam, who had a great pass breakup on, like, a little curl. It might have been an out. I can't remember. On third down, got the Broncos' defense off the field. He was then later exploited on a on a stop-and-go type thing where they suckered him in on that, you know, that quick break on the ball and then went deep with uh, DK Metcalf. Same thing on the other side with Bosby, who had a great pass breakup on third down, only to then later be exploited for his aggressiveness. Fortunately, in both cases, even though they were beaten in coverage— Geno Smith was unable to connect with their rookie first-round pick, but still, I'm with you. I was overall impressed. There were some penalties. We'll talk more about that a little bit here in in just a few minutes, but I was impressed with those two.
1: Yeah, and, and it's it's encouraging because they're young players who stepped up for Denver and they started the Broncos' two young inside linebackers, including Justin Hollins, who – and they, they didn't – you know, that was a big – weakness for Denver tonight, that's why some of those big plays happened for Seattle, was the inside linebackers losing contain. That's why Von Miller had to make a, a tackle way down the field. If they had their starters, Todd Davis, Josie Jewell be a different story, uh, but they have some work to do there. So as much as I like the secondary, Chad, and the young players there, uh, the starters they had at inside linebacker, uh, I wasn't too impressed with. All right, we're going to get to Drew Locke. We'll we'll probably spend the majority of the
0: rest of this podcast just talking about what we saw from Drew Locke and maybe trying to tamp down some of the hand-wringing I'm seeing about Paxton Lynch, everyone tripping on that. Uh, But first, let us just take
2: a quick break. We'll be right back. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress, and that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME.
3: Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week, with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020. 2020, 2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every line. It's one of them. Keep up with all the transfers in college basketball and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hoopin' with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. All
0: right, Zach, let's talk about Drew Locke. And, and before we dive in, Kevin Hogan was absolutely atrocious tonight. I mean, he yeah. was the epitome of inconsistent and uh, inaccurate. And the Broncos mercifully pulled the plug on that. And got Drew Locke in the game, and just like Fangio said in the in the days leading up to this one, he was going to play a lot. He ended up closing out the game, so he got many valuable game reps, also some crucial uh, situational reps in which he had to move the ball on third down. He had a late game, couple of late game drives trying to catch up. So some great experience, some great trial by fire. From Drew Locke. And let me just tell you my my highlight and my low light on Drew Locke. Even though he threw that touchdown late in the game and then threaded the needle on that two point conversion, those were both great plays. For me, it was that first third down throw in which he showed phenomenal poise in the face of interior pressure, anticipation to throw the ball with accuracy, zip to Troy Fumagalli, who the ball was in the air before he'd even come out of his break. And by the time he was out of his break, the ball was right there in the breadbasket to move the chains. That was a big boy throw and I think gives fans kind of a you know a preview of what could be in store with this kid in terms of being the future of the franchise at the quarterback position.
1: Uh, first of all, about Kevin Hogan, Chad, what was it with him when he broke contain out of the pocket? He looked like a baby deer running on Crisco. <laughs> I mean, he was slipping around everywhere. He had the weirdest gallop. He wasn't good tonight at all, and I think this is the game that Drew Locke's officially surpassed him, and I think the Broncos can now go ahead and, and wave Kevin Hogan. I don't see what he brings to the table, and he's only taking reps away from Drew Locke. Now, with respect to Locke, I thought this was a hell of a game, Chad. I mean, yeah, he didn't throw four touchdowns. He had to pick, which I do not care about. That was on the offensive line, which was dreadful. The backup offensive linemen were horrible tonight. Much as I like Mike, Mike Munchak, he has some work to do there. But Locke made a bunch of chicken salad tonight. He had that Fumagalli throw, which I thought was also the highlight. His low light to me, uh, the safety he took in the end zone, he could have got rid of the ball faster, could have had a better hot read. But a lot of the pressure he had tonight, Chad, it wasn't because of his footwork, his being frenetic in the pocket, him panicking, it was the offensive line. When he had time to throw, he made, like you said, big boy throws, and he showed why he was a second-round pick. He yeah. grew up tonight, for sure. And any fan, it's funny, any fan who was, you know, trashing him last week, calling him a bust last week, I guarantee you now they're allotting his performance tonight. It's like clockwork. This is what happens when you have a high-ceiling, low-four quarterback. This is the development path. They're going to look bad one week and better the next week and better the next week, and they'll continue growing. His arrow, chat to me, Drew Locke is pointing way up after this game, and even Vic Fangio agrees. He said he threw it pretty damn good. That's right. And if you get that compliment and that praise from Fangio, I think you did something right. Yeah,
0: it means something. If Fangio is going to go out on a limb and say that, then it means something. And he's trying to also, you know, he's been pretty tough on Drew Locke in terms of really limiting the praise, and, and you know, by all means. He hasn't done anything yet. And so for him to hear that from his his head coach, I think that's going to just help him build confidence. And, I mean, overall, you're right. The offensive line, let's face it, there were maybe, from the time Drew Locke took the field, there were maybe two guys he played with that were blocking for him that are still going to be on this roster come September. Maybe. Okay? Three maybe. Maybe. He, it was atrocious in that sense. So he, he made hay while the sun was shining. It wasn't always perfect. His supporting cast at times was was atrocious. But I really liked that play that he threw on that third down to Fumagalli. And then late in the game, you know, the, the game kind of got out of hand. T- two scores, and not just two scores, but two touchdowns and two two-point conversions just to tie is was the margin. And he managed to close half that distance, half that gap, with a touchdown drive, got some help from that Seahawks defense on a couple of penalties, but was able to finally get the ball into the end zone for to Devontae Jackson, both of their first NFL touchdowns. And then that throw to Juwan Winfrey, and that's another thing we should talk about. Winfrey, man, when the chips are down, he had had a very quiet game, very uh, you know unspectacular. But in that moment, it seems like the biggest moments, the chips are down, in the clutch, Winfrey comes up big, and that was another huge confidence builder, I think, for his fellow rookie quarterback.
1: He does seem to have that clutch gene Chat, and I was shocked when he popped up with the ball. I don't know how he hung on to that. He just got drilled, and that throw just highlighted all the arm talent Drew Locke has, and it just shows why, again, he was bandied about as a potential first-round pick by the, of the Broncos. So, you know, you're, you're seeing why they have such high hopes for him. He had a big game. He hit 17 to 28, 180 yards, a touchdown, a pick, and three sacks. I mean, from last week to this week, you saw a different quarterback. He will continue to improve, and the Broncos, I hopefully now will handle it the right way and give him just a lion's share of reps as a number two, make him the number two and let him go from there. I think he's earned that chance for now to at least if not get that officially Chad that title to start out the next week as the as the you know, the yeah. clear cut number two.
0: And that's basically in all my content, whether it was video or written content in the week leading up to this game. All I said is we want to see progress from Locke. Like, it was a solid debut, nothing to write home about. It's not like he stunk the join up in the Hall of Fame game. It was just meh, right? It was like, eh, all right. But he showed progress, and that's another thing Vic Fangio touched on at the podium after the game. So that has to be encouraging. And the way I look at it is if he can show improvement from Game 1 to Game 2 – then the early indication is hopefully that game three, he takes another leap forward. And again, it's like I've said before on this podcast many times, the cream always rises to the top. It's only a matter of time for Drew Locke. And, you know, Hogan's going to be vanquished, if not this week. It's That's just another issue of being a matter of time. But Locke is going to end up being the number two quarterback. It wouldn't completely stun me, Zach, if the Broncos kept Hogan just because you know, this coaching staff has shown a propensity over the years to just kind of stubbornly want to hold on to that fail-safe, even though Hogan is far from any kind of safe word you would, you'd want to have sure. associated with him. But but nevertheless, Drew Locke, man, honestly, like it wasn't perfect, but he showed me a lot. He showed some heart. He showed some confidence. And you could see on the replay after he, that throw to Fumagalli I've talked about a couple times now on third down on his first possession, you could see on the replay when that ball completed and it showed him up close on the broadcast, Just he just lit up in terms of his, his confidence, man. That was a boost for him. And uh, it showed, I think, the rest of the game. That play, I believe, kind of got him through until the fourth quarter when he was finally able to get some traction and move the ball late.
1: In that play, he can look back on Chad as the play that launched him as a number two and eventually number one, and it can kind of take off in his career. You can build on these things, and that's what young quarterbacks need, and that's what Paxel Lynch never had in Denver, and that's why part of the reason why he flamed out. It's a good point about Kevin Hogan, a good point about the Broncos maybe keeping three like they, they have with Austin Davis a couple years ago. But make Hogan the clear-cut three then. Stop taking the reps away from Drew Locke, stop making them split them, give him the reps. I thought it was impressive on Locke's behalf that the Broncos were flagged 15 times tonight total, and he was a young player who was the most inconsistent last week, and he looked pretty good tonight in the face of all this chaos. Any Broncos fan who wasn't impressed with Drew Locke tonight, I seriously question their, their logic.
0: The only thing I'll say about Locke in terms of you know what the things he can do to improve, when he started getting a little bit worn down later in the game – you know he and it, the broadcast covered this quite well. His technique and his footwork, especially, kind of went out the window. And if he can just continue to be coached up on those things and point, having those things pointed out to him in the film room, and then translate that to to work on the field in terms of practice, eventually it'll become a muscle memory. But he just he's got such a cannon attached to his right shoulder that he's just lived to he's learned to live on it for for too long, and that doesn't get you all the way in the NFL. That'll get you part of the way there in the NFL. But you got to have complete command and control over all of the aspects of being a quarterback. And he's getting there. It's going to take some time. But, Zach, let me ask you this. What is your message to Broncos fans who, even right now, are wringing their hands over the fact that Paxton Lynch, in his fourth year as a third quarterback on a Seahawks depth chart, just had the game of his life against the Denver Broncos?
1: I mean, isn't he supposed to do this? He's a former first-round pick. It's his fourth season. It's the fourth quarter of a preseason game. If he's not beating up on, on fourth stringers and future real estate agents, what is he really doing? I mean, I guess it was a an inspired performance. He had all this on the line. He was playing more motivated, I think, than any player on the field tonight, and Credit where it's due. He scored a couple times. He was the difference in the game tonight, but it's still just preseason. It doesn't take away from what he did not accomplish in Denver. doesn't take away from the fact that he was a draft bust. It's just a game for them. Geno Smith looked good. I don't see Jets fans crawling about him tonight. It's just the Paxton Lynch, it's just still raw um, for some fans in Broncos country wanting him to turn out differently. Some fans still think that the, the Broncos did him dirty. It's over. Let's turn the page now. He had a decent game tonight, but it's still preseason. He's still a backup. He still might not be on the roster in September. I would just really pump the brakes on the Paxton Lynch praise. I don't Back. think he he it, it tonight.
0: Absolutely. Backup to a backup. Let's Let's be as right. specific as possible <laughs> right. in terms of the reality check here, but... You know, give the man his props. Like, you know what, this is like the one pro-victory, the one pro-mountain that he needed to climb. And uh, he got there, and, you know, hats off to him. It's the little things in life, the little successes. And who knows, maybe it can be some kind of a pivotal pivotal turning point for him, but I doubt it, because let us not forget, this is a guy who had no compunction about sitting on the bench in the black hole, the worst of all places (laughs) you could possibly do the following – Openly weep. Okay. So, anyway, let's turn the page. Guys, it was Paxton Lynch going against third stringers. And as as Zach said, probably the most motivated and focused he'll ever be in his NFL career. So, yeah. give give him that small victory. But before we get out here really quick, again, guys, this one's going to have to be really short. It's just too late. Both of us are running on fumes. I can barely think straight. And it's, you know, midnight almost for me. Zach, it's 2 in the morning. So, a couple things really quickly I want to touch on the penalties you you touched on it uh, obviously you brought up the 15 penalties uh, we Nikki Jabvala of uh, the athletic had a she kept track of each and every one which what how you know how many yards who the player was what the infraction was how big of an issue is that really to you in a second preseason game
1: I mean, I don't like it. I mean, as much as we talked about it last year with Vance Joseph, we also have to point to Vic Fangio, and something's not connecting right. They're too sloppy right now. I'm still not panicking. I'm still chalking up to preseason, and I know uh, come September, come the regular season, they'll look cleaner. They'll look a more composed team. But this is still, like we've been saying, Chad, for months – as good as Vic Fangio is as a coach, as, as uh, optimistic you can be, as much upside this team has, it's still so many new moving parts, so many new faces and people coming together, and there's going to be some hiccups. It's still just the second preseason game. If this is still happening uh, week two, week three of, uh, of the regular season, then it's time to start pointing fingers. But for now, this is the time to get it out. Work the kinks out now and then get better for the future.
0: And you got to remember, too, guys, that part of this is – I mean, it's not great, and I'm not here trying to justify 15 penalties, but this is also preseason for the officials. And a lot of times this this time of year, they're throwing flags to prove points to coaches and players. Like, hey, here's something you need to watch because we're going to be calling this in the season. Like, points of emphasis for teachable moments. and So you just can't read too much into it. So let's – last thing, turn the page. A couple uh, – a trio of injuries, first and foremost – Andy Janovich, of course, who is the starting fullback. He is. It's being reported by Troy Rank anyway that he suffered a triceps injury. Going to have an MRI. Um, it looked like more he was holding his pec when he came off the field there and took to the, took to the tunnel. So we'll uh, check back on Friday. There will be some news on that. And then Austin Fort, man, what a bummer because he's had a, a really impressive summer, great training camp, and he made a great twenty nine yard catch from Drew Locke, and then. It's looking like an ACL, um, unfortunately. Yeah. Even Vic Fangio, who said we, they they haven't confirmed anything, but he said it does appear to be serious potentially. Anyway, so uh, obviously that one is probably would hurt the most in terms of the Broncos are just losing bodies. If Janovich were to go down, look, Janovich is great and all, you know, but he's a fullback, and the next guy up, George Aston, in my humble opinion, as much as I think Janovich can be a weapon in the right offense and all that stuff, the next guy up, Zach could probably, you know, fill 85 to 90% of what Janovich could do just because, let's face it, the Broncos have a lot of mouths to feed. If you can lead block in an ISO set, you're probably good enough to play fullback for the Denver Broncos. And the Broncos, let's face it, in terms of getting the ball out and touches and all that, it's going to go to Phillip Lindsey, Royce Freeman, Emmanuel Sanders, and Cortland Sutton, and Noah Fenn.
1: Chad, I'm right there with you. And in fact, uh, Aston looked good tonight. I believe he had a big gainer on a, I if it was a catch or a run. I can't remember at this time right now, uh, but it does suck. If, if it's another triceps injury for Denver, it's starting to become a trend now. Um, so it, it does kind of hurt their offensive game plan and their special teams. But I also believe despite the folklore of Jano on Twitter and stuff, he's replaceable. And if they have to go to Aston or, or someone else, I believe they can adequately, you know, you know, weather that storm. Austin Fort, he was facing kind of an uphill battle to make the roster, but he had a great camp. He looked really good. It sucks that he went down. It does look like a you know, ACL, MCL, PCL, whatever. It looks like it's a serious injury. And Chad, the Broncos' tight end room, man, is cursed. I mean, what other thing could it be right now with Hyreman last year, with Fumagalli last year, but going down again? They just can't have a healthy player right now. So uh, they might have to make a move, maybe explore a veteran. I just feel bad personally for Fort, a young kid really making his mark and to go down like this. It just sucks
0: especially a former quarterback that has so recently converted to tight end. You know, these type of opportunities he, he got this year with the Broncos, they just don't come around too often for guys like him. So, here's to hoping that he showed enough if it does end up being a season-ending injury that he showed enough for the Broncos to say, "You know what? You know, we're going to we're going to take care of you in our in our uh, rehab. Facility, We're going to take care of you all year. We want to see you back here in the summer and competing at least one more camp form. We'll see how it shakes out, but you guys listen, we're on fumes. We got to call this one a night. We'll be back tomorrow with the mile high mailbag, but in the meantime, make sure you're following the show on Twitter at huddle up pod. You can find my partner here, Zach Kelberman on Twitter at Kelberman NFL myself at Chad and Jensen. Stay tuned and look for those of you on Twitter and YouTube and YouTube will put a card up in the community tab For the mailbag questions, look for that. Post your questions there. We'll answer each and every one. Same on Twitter. Look for the tweets. Hit us up on Twitter. We will answer the questions. Uh, But until then, for Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. We'll talk to you then. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.